0: everybody welcome to tea time history live um today i'm going to talk to you about well i've been on two visits since uh, since the last show so i'm going to talk to you about where i've been worcester cathedral archives specifically king john's will his thumb bone a dane skin you'll want to know about that and Yesterday, I was at Heber Castle, so I'm going to tell you about the Catherine and Anne exhibition, which is on there as well. Um, I'm streaming live on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. Welcome. Thank you for joining me. If you're joining me live, if you're part of the Catch Up crew, a warm welcome to you too. And if you're listening on the podcast. Hi, everybody joining. Hope you are having a great day. Let me know if you can hear me. okay? because I've got a slightly different mic set up today so um, on Instagram especially if you can let me know I would be most grateful with a thumbs up or such like It will know that uh, let me know that you can hear me so for those of you who I can see joining as we get going so yes this week um, so in the last few days I've been on a few visits one was to Worcester Cathedral Library and their archives which is incredible there will be a full interview thank you Jasmine there will be a full interview um coming out in March I was with David Morrison who is the librarian at the archives at Worcester Cathedral and he showed me so many things that I am I mean I feel incredibly lucky that I went uh, that I was able to handle some manuscripts books these things that over a thousand years old some of them um and, and just see some incredible pieces of history. So the full interview will come out on YouTube and on the podcast um, in March. So quite a bit of editing to get together for that one, um, which I do all myself, by the way. So uh, any mistakes are always fully my own. Also, I have been to Hever Castle in, uh, in the interim between seeing you last week and now. Um, I was actually down there to have some meetings about the tours that I have going there this year. All three of this year's tours will be at Hever Castle at some point, staying there and having dinner in the Great Hall and having a after-hours tour of Hever. Um, so I was getting all of that in place and also getting to see the new Catherine and Anne exhibition. So Hever are doing... Um, now seems like an annual um, wonderful exhibition. Last year it was Becoming Anne. This year um, it's Catherine and Anne looking at the relationship between Catherine and Aragon and and Queen Anne and the things that um, were more similar between them than what's the usual um, uh, emphasis, which is on what how they differed. So it is a, a new take. And I'll come back and t- to that and tell you about that um, more a little bit later on. So, um, thank you for joining me. As I've said, and you can support me by uh, badges on Instagram, stars on Facebook, super chats on YouTube. Um, you can also buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Philippa. Still got in there early because that's that's my one. Um, but what I really want you to do is is join my Patreon. A lot of you I can see in here are already members of my Patreon. Um, Because in there, I can give you a lot more back. You get early access to content. You get early access to tickets. So currently... Um, all the bookings for the Anne Boleyn tour may 2024 are from my patrons because they've had up to th- they've up to three o'clock today to exclusively book that tour. Um, they get discounts on event tickets so the Georgian online history festival which is coming up um, on the 24th of March you get 10% off tickets for that. you get behind the scenes stuff like I say so they've had extra photos from where I've been where, when I've been to Worcester where I've been to Hever this week or in the past few days we've got book club com- coming up. Uh, we have blogs Um, oh and you can ask a historian your questions as well and actually I do have another historian uh, lined up soon um, to to speak to I may as well tell you about that now um, if any of you saw my Instagram stories and Facebook stories yesterday I had a three-hour drive back from Hever and I had two books to keep me company one was this month's uh, or this we're doing it every eight weeks so this time's Book club book, which is Gareth Russell's book about the Titanic. Um, I had that book, and the other book I had to keep me company was a book which has just gone into paperback. Um, Thank you, Melissa, for the badge. Thank you ever so much. Very much appreciated. Melissa has just bought me a badge on Instagram. Um, So, the other book I was listening to was The Dissolution of the Monasteries. It's just gone into paperback. It's by James Clark. And if you do buy it in paper, uh, paperback, I've got it on Audible and it's it's a many hours long book. I can't remember how long it was. I was going to say 14, but I don't think it is. I think it's longer than that. I think it's like this thick if you buy the book. Um, so interesting already. I'm about halfway through. We're, we're getting to the visitations of Cromwell's men where they're going and they're having um, their putting together their survey of the wealth in, in the monasteries anyway. So I'm going to be interviewing the author of that James Clark. So if you're a patron, you'll be able to put forward your own questions to him. So I will be gathering those up. I will let you know the details of that. So get your thinking caps on. I'm sure you'll have lots of questions about the dissolution of the monasteries. It's such actually a vast subject. Thank you, Becky for the badge. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. I hope, um, so, so any of you who are buying me badges and super chats and stars you are I don't know if I can move if I move this I don't want it to rustle but you've you have enabled me to buy these little road mics which um, allowed me enabled me to do the interview with David Morris uh, Morrison at Worcester cathedral archive on friday because i just clipped one to me clipped one to him and we went round and chatted about what we were looking at um and it's enabling me to do this today and it's enabling me to do i've got in the next few weeks more of those sort of walk around interviews that i'm going to be able to do so thank you ever so much for every to everyone who's bought me badges bought, bought me a coffee and um, bought me stars and super chats anyway thank you for that so <clears throat> um so we'll get on. I want to tell you about King John's Will because it was quite a surprise when I saw it. I want to tell you about that. But first, let me say a thank you to my new patrons in the last week. Chelsea, Diana, Sandra, Cara, Carrie, Evelyn, Erin deira uh, I hope I've pronounced that right. Rachel and Todd have all joined my Patreon. So um, welcome to them. Um, it's five pounds a month if you are interested. And it's www.patreon.com forward slash British history. Right, let's get on to King John's will, his thumb bone and the bit I really want to tell you about, which is the Dane skin, which is a bit gross, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. You might want to shut your ears off for that bit. So many of you might um, already know that Worcester Cathedral is the burial place of Arthur Tudor. The eldest son of Henry the Seventh, Elizabeth of York, would have been king had he not predeceased his father, Henry the Seventh. We could have had a King Arthur rather than a King Henry the Eighth. But he died only a few months after his marriage to Catherine of Aragon, and he died at Ludlow Castle. Excuse me, I'm going to have to have a sip of my water already. And he, um, he's buried at, at Worcester Cathedral, like I say. Um, for various reasons, which we can go into in a different time. But the precedent had already been set for royalty to be buried at Worcester. And that precedent was set um, in the early 13th century with the burial there of King John, King John of Magna Carta fame, Robin Hood fame, um, Big Bad John fame. And um, he actually requested specifically that he was he would be buried at Worcester. It's always been a cathedral, by the way. There was a Priory um, uh, set up there as well, but it's always been a cathedral uh, as opposed to um, others which were created cathedrals like Gloucester, which had originally been an abbey, and then on the dissolution, back to the dissolution again, um, became a, a cathedral. Anyway, Worcester's always been a, been a cathedral. And King John, he died just outside of um, Lincoln, and he, um, he requested specifically that he would be buried at Worcester. King John died uh, unexpectedly. So um, died of maybe not dysentery, but some sort of like food poisoning or bad things happening in bad places that nobody wants. So his will, I was imagining always, um, that when I saw it, I would see a fairly long, comprehensive, um, large, grand-looking document. But King John's will, and this will be included in um, in the interview, uh, which I will video, which I will go onto YouTube in uh, March. His will is about this big for anyone watching, anyone on the podcast about a third of a usual sheet of paper. Um, So if that's a A4 sheet of paper, it's about a third. Um, Really small, dictated, but it says, I, John. So although it's not in his own hand, um, he's clearly dictating it to somebody as it becomes clear that he is not going to survive, his his illness, um, and the first few parts um really just talk about how his um his son must inherit, and then we uh, then it goes on to his request for Worcester Becky um you join Patreon by going to www patreon which is p a t r e o n n.com forward slash British history the link is also in my Instagram bio if you want to um, to use that after we've finished uh, um, so thank you for the question it's it's really so King, King John's world it's small it's compact it's tiny writing really beautiful c- clearly a, a professional scribe has written it and there are at uh, the bottom of the paper it's folded up and there are slits in it where there would have been ribbons and wax seals attached to it because he names um, he names the the people he's entrusting that his will will be carried out and i posted about the the will straight away into my patreon group and somebody asked about what is the likelihood um, or what is the legality around a a will at this time does it have to be carried out the way it's been um, you know the way it's been written i.e did they really have to bring John from all the way from where he died over in the east of the country to the Welsh border almost to to Worcester um to be buried um I don't know the direct answer to that however from my, my opinion is that where it makes sense to the people left to, in, to um, enact a will. They do. and where it makes sense for them not to. They don't. I don't think there's any um, sort of legal um, case for a will at that point to be enacted in, in any particular way. I could be wrong, but I think it could be overridden. But the effort was made for King John to be buried at Worcester. Um, and... Uh, And the will is at Worcester. So the will went with him to Worcester and is kept in their archives. Um, So he's buried in 1217 or he dies in 1217. Actually, I don't know the exact date. He's buried in Worcester, but um, soon after that. And he um, he, he lies there undisturbed, pretty much, until the uh, the 19th century where they do some uh renovations excavations they have a bit of a prod about it. they have a look at his body of course they do they they did a lot of that and they they actually built him the chest tomb so if you see any pictures which i, I in fact i shared some on instagram the other day and i think it would have gone to facebook as well uh, he's in a chest tomb now that was put in later um probably um, to mirror the the chest tomb of Arthur Tudor, which isn't far away in Arthur's own chantry, um, so John is buried right in front of the high altar, and Arthur Tudor has his own chantry to the right hand side of the high altar. And so, anyway, King John gets this this chest tomb, but while they're while they're having a poke about his. There's some souvenirs that are taken. So part of the, um, the cloth that is covering him is taken, um, part of his hose and uh, material and his thumb bone. All of those are now on display at the archives at Worcester Cathedral. <laughs> um, it's just a bit gruesome. Now, when I got there, um it's it's a fantastic library and when when I publish the interview you'll you'll see photos and 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 video of this of this place it's beautiful um uh, but under this lovely display cabinet which has King John's will in it it has his thumb bone it has this this piece of the cloth in fact it's a lion embroidered lion is the part of the the palfrey cloth that's there um and some of his material are from his trousers um as well as that yeah thumb bone Becky I know it's gross it's gruesome um and why why they took it and it was donated it, it it then been passed down to a family and then donated so it was lost effectively until it was given back but all these are in a display cabinet underneath the display cabinet this beautiful wooden you know old if you imagine the old victorian display cabinets which i have a bit of a soft spot for i know i know people like more modern museums but i actually i you know there's 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 a place I think sometimes for these more um these older kind of relics in themselves underneath this display cabinet is a purpley pink plastic box which just says King John's artifacts and um it's basically in case there's a fire I and this has been kicked off I think or or reinvigorated by the of course the fire at Notre Dame and um you know fire's going to devastate we've lost so much to fire and flood over the centuries um and you've got to think practically if there's a fire there how how are things going to going to be removed when the people in there are firefighters they're also fighting the fire and they've got their gloves and the smoke and the soot anyway so they have um it just amused me because under this under this like victorian this beautiful like room with these incredible artifacts everywhere. And then you've got this big pink box, which is for King John's artifacts in case of um, a quick evacuation requirement. In the same case as King John's will, which as I said was much smaller than I expected, uh, much shorter, very succinct. Brevity was key <laughs> at the time. Um, next to his will is, the skin of the dane and this is was is legend but a legend that now has some proof worcester is uh sighted on the river seven which is one of my theories as to why why arthur's buried there because he came he could have been transported by river anyway um it's on the River Seven. It was a tidal re- um, river. It's wide. It was deep, so of course it would allow for trade. It made Worcester a pro- prosperous town. In fact, the, the boats went uh, much further further north. There was a um, um, there was a dock, uh, or if you'd call it a dock. So, so, trade ships would go all the way up to Budley which is one of the stopover points. Actually, um, for Arthur Tudor's body, that was where Tick and Hill Manor was. Um, so anyway, so Worcester. This is the the river's wide enough. It's tidal, and um, and so they can trade, bring goods. It, you know, perfectly cited for that kind of thing. It's also perfectly cited for a vi- good old Viking raid, and the Vikings did raid Worcester on a number of occasions. Not just the cathedral, but the town itself, and terrorised the occupants. And one particular instance. Um they were pilfering the cathedral. Like I say, it's always been a cathedral, even though there was a priory set up there, Benedictine priory. The, the church building itself has always been a cathedral. And the one particular Viking was desperate to um, to pinch the, is it called the Sanctus Bell? Try to remember the specific name of the bell. But he was very uh, determined to pinch this bell. He actually got separated from the rest of the roading gang and they left. (laughs) They left without him. And he, (laughs) for some reason, had been so taken with taking this bell that he didn't go with them. He he missed that they'd left. So he got left behind. The the, um, population of Worcester tired and just sick to death of these Viking raids, took out all their fury on this one man. You might want to put your fingers in your ears for the next bit. If you have a sensitive disposition or you're eating, you have been warned. But they flayed the Dane alive, which means they peeled off his skin whilst he was still alive. This is the legend. This is the legend. And it was thought to be just that, that it was legend. And the legend had continued with the story that his skin was pinned to the north door. The north door faces the river. So that would be a warning to any future Viking raiders. This is what happened to your kin when he came a knocking last time, (laughs) when he came a ringing, when he tried to pinch her bell. This is what happened thought to be complete legend until analysis was done on the old north door which the north door I think I believe now is in is in the crypt and there was some analysis done on it and material was found which dated to around about the correct period and was of human origin so not so much of a legend there's a real story behind it so and that skin (laughs) Will also appear in my video uh, because it's on display. It's on display right next to King John's will in the Worcester Cathedral archives. So, because we hear a lot about Viking raiders, we don't hear them as much about when they get their when they got their comeuppance. So, um, I just love the fact that that legend actually turned out to be um, to be have have a, have a grain of truth about it. Um, so yeah, so like I said, that interview, uh, yeah, Becky, sick face, I know. Um, when, um, so that that video should, uh, all being well, be available in March. It will be available on the podcast as well. So I will do my best uh, to describe what we were looking at. Um, some of the manuscripts, well, all of the manuscripts were incredible. And they dated back, like I say, to Anglo-Saxon times. some of them. Now, over time as well pieces would be used i don't know, say older books would be taken apart and used to bind new books or for whatever reason um used for other purposes and so there are some just fragments of incredibly old books um which have been found in more recent ones so there's there's all sorts we're going to cover and um, so, so right from Anglo-Saxon times, which is when the cathedral was founded, um, and then through to there's a there's a, there's a record of James II's coronation there, um, the crown jewels that were used. There are uh, also depictions of what Westminster Abbey looked like and what Westminster Hall looked like for the coronation banquet, and why that's interesting. Is because you hear, um, if you hear accounts of a coronation and you hear of them, you know, the thousands and thousands of people in the Abbey on um specially erected scaffolds and and you look and, and how, how on earth did they manage to get all these people into into Westminster Abbey? And because there is this record of James II's coronation anyway, um, you can you can get an idea of of how that of how how they fit them in where they where were they and similar in Westminster Hall so for James II's coronation banquet you you could as a member of the public you could go and watch you could go and watch people having their incredibly decadent banquet of which there was a menu or for which should I say there was a menu and the menu still exists in this record as well so you can see what dishes were served at james ii's coronation so it's an incredible record that's the one thing there is a travel book a travel book which is one of the first examples of a fold out illustration and um again i shared this already in patreon so if you're in my patreon and you haven't seen this already um go and have a have a little look there is a fold out illustration of venice and um oh ciao monica talking about italy and monica comes up um yeah fold out illustration of um of venice and you could recognize it now it was immediately recognizable but that was that was revolutionary that was you know that was something that hadn't been done before that in a book you could um yeah fold out a a page so you you weren't constrained to the size of the page to be able to convey whatever it was you were trying to to convey Um, there's so much I will be including Worcester in a tour hopefully in 2024 because I think um it's an absolute gem absolute gem hello over there in Argentina how are you um the manuscripts as well let me before I before I go on to talk about the Catherine and Anne exhibition at Hever the manuscripts at at the Worcester archive um amazing for the obviously the, the, the writing and the illuminations where they you know would create the the pictures on the page the the um the title pieces and the the first letters which would be incredibly well decorated but also for the notes these many of these books for instance things like books of hours which were personal actually it could be family or personal prayer books there was a family version in there as well one that you would have out in the home they have space for um for notes similar with some of the what I suppose what we, we would call textbooks they had notes and these textbooks would be passed on to the next generation of students and you get notes from um from you know various people in the same book um their little drawings were amazing and there was one that was my particular favorite There was those that were amazing um but there was um one was my particular favourite, where they had drawn a rope to link two points on the same page that they felt were were points that that required you know thinking about together, which I thought was brilliant. Um, I don't know how long it would have taken to do that, but that's that's what they did. Um, yeah, intrepid Freddy Cat. Imagine if they'd mastered pop up books back then. <laughs> the flayed guy. Yes, telling telling the um the legend of the Dane at Worcester in a pop up book might be yeah <laughs> very gruesome. Oh goodness me! Um, yes, so 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 there's going to be a lot. That's this is why it's going to take me quite a bit of editing as well for for that for that interview. But like I say, that should be out in March. Um, so I can st- I'll go on to tell you now about the um. Uh, the Catherine and Anne exhibition at Hever Castle, where I was yesterday. Um, so I was down there for the ex- exhibition. Definitely, des- desperately wanted to see that exhibition, and and also to I was meeting with the um, the the staff there that I that I all make um, all the arrangements with for the tours. Which, by the way, the Anne Boleyn tour May 2024 will go on sale at three o'clock this afternoon to people who aren't patrons. If you're a patron, you've got till three o'clock to book before other people are allowed to. Um, So it will go live on the website, www.britishhistorytours.com at three o'clock this afternoon. If you uh, had already contacted me about it, I will be emailing you the the link directly as well. So let's get on to the uh, Catherine and, and exhibition. So this exhibition at Hever... Um, I believe was born out of an idea. Oh, first of all, I should say a huge thank you to Kate McCaffrey and Ali Palmer, Alison Palmer, who Alison is the, um, so Caroline, May 2024, 2023 is already sold out. Um, although I do have to, two tours in this year, 2023, that there are still spaces on, both of which go to HEVA. The Private Life of Anne Boleyn in June and July, it's the end of June, it starts 29th of June, goes into July, is going to be amazing. And um, Kate McCaffrey, who um, is the assistant joint curator at Hever Castle, is actually speaking on that tour. Um, she's going to be speaking to us about Anne Boleyn's Book of Hours. Kate did um, an incredible amount of research into Anne's printed Book of Hours. So there's a there's this, a written one and there's a printed one, and Kate's work, and you can see the interview I did with Kate on my YouTube channel. Um, the 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 printed version of, um, of of sorry, so there's two two books um, of ours of Anne's at Heaver, and Kate did her research into the printed version, and she found um, where the book had gone to afterwards because the book survived so where was it where was it in the interim and uh, and she she managed to uncover quite a bit about about that journey during her research she became made aware that captain of aragon had had the same book printed at the same time same place and um held in the morgan library in new york that um that book is currently at Hever being displayed a few feet away from Anne's book. And so you can make a direct comparison. And it, I think it was Kate's discovery um, or you know f- f- link between those two books that gave the inspiration for this exhibition at Hever. What is it that actually the women had in common? What are their links as opposed to always talking about what divided them, what made them different, what actually made them similar? other than the fact they're both married to Henry of course and these these devotional texts um created at the same time same place um are a direct link they're reading the same book now these books were personalized they were highly personal personalized and one of the um uh, things that you you notice is that Anne's is more highly decorated than Catherine's um Possibly indicating the sort of alteration in status by that point. Um, so they are both on display now. They are, Catherine's book is only there until the end of June. So if you're on tour with me this May, um, you will see the book. Um, but it goes back the end of June and we're not at Hever again till the start of July. Uh, but obviously if anyone's uh, traveling independently, if, if you're in the UK or you're coming into coming to the UK and you want to see that exhibition, um, yeah, just be aware that at the end of June, Catherine's book goes back, but I do have it on good authority that there will be a very exciting book taking its place as well. Mm-hmm. Now a few things in the exhibition have been donated or loaned for, for the moment they didn't they weren't known about this is amazing so this the the publicity you know that Kate and Alison and Owen do about their exhibitions leads people to say oh I've got such and such is that of is that of interest one of the things was um Richard Burton's uh costume from Anne of a Thousand Days that's on display there the costumes um that's in a private collection somebody has that um there are other costumes on display as well from Becoming Elizabeth the exhibition goes on to talk about Mary and Elizabeth the the daughters of Catherine and Anne and how you know that that coexistence uh continues into the next generation of rivalry and just um you know this, this, these links that can't be can't be broken, can't get away, can't be gotten away from. And Kate Blanchett's costume from um, I can't remember when she played Elizabeth. I can't remember the name of the the film now. The, the so the golden coronation gown. So they've got that with the coronation portrait of Elizabeth, and also displayed a blow up of um, I can't think what it's in now, but it's uh, in, in a in a a book in the National Archives which shows. Um, it's an illumination, and it shows Mary wearing the same coronation gown. So, although we've, we, you know, we, in our minds we we can see Elizabeth, um, the first, in her gold coronation ga- gown, Mary Mary, her sister, also wore that coronation ga- gown. They they had the same. So they're there. um one of the thing uh, things that's on display that I found incredibly exciting, and so do they. And hope and they're hoping to get some um analysis done on it is a not-seen-until-now portrait of Catherine of Aragon. It's um, it's painted posthumously. It's not contemporary to her, but at which point it's painted, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so that's on display in the uh, Books of Hours room in the same place as, as um, Catherine and Anne's book of our, Books of Hours are on display at the moment. And I was really captivated with that. Really captivated with that, um, and really looking forward to hearing what they find out about it. So, um, what else was there? They're also reimagining the castle bit uh, floor by floor. So, this is brilliant. The they're going to look um, at, going to to recreate parts of the castle as they would have been in different time periods. There is a make gorgeous like 1930s set up I think lounge which was used by the asters um which in the time of the Tudors would have been um like the scullery and you know sort of a series of service buildings service rooms and and it was made into a kind of entertainment music room there's a piano in there sofas in there now Gareth Russell's book do let's have another drink about the queen mother Uh, I identified that it was at Hever Castle on a visit when the Queen Mother, um, she wasn't Queen Mother then, uh, when Elizabeth Bowes Lyon decided that she would accept the marriage proposal from um, Bertie, the future George VI. So they're going to set that room up as it would have been during Elizabeth Bowes Lyon's visit at that point, which is quite exciting I think and um and the the upper floor where the Tudor uh, sorry, the Berlin family rooms are known to have been that will be reimagined so we can start to really get a feel for the castle at the different periods um I don't know if any of you have seen the uh the information coming out from Simon Thurley's work about Hever Castle but the Anne of Cleves link is so much stronger than we're sort of it was suspected, I know, by people like Ali and Owen, that the the, the link to Anne of Cleves um, at Hever Castle was much stronger than previously thought. But it turns out to be um, really strong. She built the, the, the incredible long gallery. She built the um, the walking gallery. Previously, both of those were thought to have been added by Thomas Boleyn, Anne's father, and they weren't. They were They were added by Anne of Cleves, which shows that she was spending a lot of time there. um, That she, um, yeah, that she was willing to obviously invest in the place because she must have been spending time there. So that's going to be really incredible, and that will happen over the next few years. So if you if you've been to Hever Castle in the past, and um, if you go again, you're going to see something different each time. So um, so it's well worth. Uh, going back. They've got some incredible portraits as well. Um, there's a brilliant one of a uh, young Elizabeth, which isn't one that you see very often. Um, they've also got the um the, the portrait of Mary Queen of Scots in her mourning, so a young Mary Queen of Scots uh in her morning dress um f- f- from when she loses her first husband Francis. Um and uh, next to her uh, a portrait of her son James the uh, sixth of Scotland first of England so it it really is incredible now let's should we bust a myth would you like me to bust a myth about about Heaver Castle there is a room that is called Henry VIII's bedroom or bedchamber and that's then sort of been repeated and then stories come up about how hen when henry visited anne at heaver castle um he never stayed at heaver castle not not that not, not that anyone knows of the the term the, the the name given to the bedroom was actually given by Asta, who was just faithfully trying to sort of remember um the the history of the castle so but it does mean that I'm afraid Henry didn't sleep in that in that bedchamber. If he had have slept there, it wouldn't have been in that room anyway because that wasn't the best bedchamber, the best chamber, best chamber bed. Oh goodness me, the best bed chamber was in the other wing where um, where Thomas Billin and his wife would have slept and possibly Anne would have been when she um, she fell ill with the sweating sickness. was it in 1528? Um, she retreated to Hever, and both her and her father felt um, very ill with the sweating sickness. This is famously when Henry sends his second best physician and he only sends his second best because his first is um, otherwise engaged. I'm not sure if he was ill himself, but, uh, but that's why. So it's quite funny because he only sent his second best. Well, yeah, not because he was keeping his first best anywhere else. So the exhibition is on all of this year. Um, um, so Becky, the sweating sickness. Yeah, it, it's not, um, I don't think anyone's pro- ever properly managed to define what we think it is. But yeah, a virus basically, which could take people really quickly. Um, obviously, people did survive it, but it was known to be um, uh, a killer. Yeah. Rick, What was the requirements for a best bedchamber? that is a very good question Caroline size placement um that was a dog trying to did you hear that that was the dog trying to bash his head into the door to come in um yeah size placement I think um probably safety so how far away was it from the door <laughs> from the front door um, and again did you hear that so um I will post more, definitely post more in Patreon um, about my visit to the exhibition. And if you're coming on tour with me this year, then um, then you will get to see the exhibition. So each of the tours, we do a Hidden Heaver tour, which is after hours, so after the public have gone, we get to, to go around the castle with a guide that's just there for us. Um, so that will go through the ex- exhibition. In uh, I think it's it could be Winston. It's probably Hugo. Hugo's the one who does have who um, likes to headbutt things. D- Chris, does it have radiators? No, there was fireplaces. <laughs> no, way before radiators. Um, although, where Astor is, uh, obviously, when Astor put in things, there is there is modernisation in there. So, I stayed in the um, Astor suite. So, Astor built an entire mock Tudor village on the back of the castle. Which had service areas and ex- and bedrooms, lots of extra bedrooms, and that Aster Suite um, is uh, that is where I stayed the other night. And you can they they, they run it as a, a bed and breakfast, um, but when when I'm there with tour groups, we have the entire Aster Suite to ourselves. Um, if Henry didn't stay, why do they have the door lock? That's a very good question, Cherry. But Kerry. Kerry cherry. (laughs) Um, yes. The door lock that is in the great hall. Um, Um, yeah, I will have to ask that, but the, the evidence isn't that he ever actually slept there. Um, which is, which is interesting. He could have sent it to keep Anne safe. He was just incredibly paranoid, Henry. Um, I think watch out for paranoid people. They tend to be the, the ones who become the most tyrannical uh, he um, and controlling. Yeah. But very good question. I will put that to uh, to Kate when uh, when I see her next. Um, so before I um, leave you to it, so tonight, if you're around, we have History After Dark. Um, we're continuing with the, this year is the Year of the Deceased Skit, and we are on to the Gs. We're having a George off tonight. We're talking about the Georges, and we each have a candidate for the one we think is the worst George. <laughs> so you can uh, join us for that at quarter past eight tonight on History After Dark on Instagram and just at History After Dark on YouTube. Um, uh, so that will be that will be an interesting discussion. Or I will be here again next week at the same time, in between seeing you now and then. I am um, I've got another few visits to do. So uh, I will be able to talk to you about Tewkesbury and also Beaver Castle, Beaver Castle spelt Belvoir. If you've ever seen it written down, B B E L V O I R it's Beaver Castle confusingly. So I would have been to both of those there and to Tewkesbury by the time I see you here next week. So that is what I'll be talking to you about next week. Um the, uh, Talking about George's, the Georgian Summit is uh, is approaching. It's taking place. It's my, it's our online history festival. We have six speakers: Tracy Borman, Gareth Russell, Katrina Marchant, uh, Antonia Keeney, Ilary Lynn, and Anne Stott, covering all sorts of um, topics over about the Georgian periods and the Georgians, and they are just so, so. <laughs> debauched uh <laughs> fascinating uh reprobates um uh, just um yeah it's very very interesting talks i've already got a few of them in which i've seen so i can i can vouch for them we're talking about princess charlotte and Stotti's um uh, tracy borman is talking about henrietta howard um george's mistress uh gareth is talking about the state in Ireland. Uh, Cat- Katrina Marchand is talking about bare knuckles, the, 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 uh, the world of bare knuckle boxing in Georgia and England. Antonia Keeney is talking about the, uh, saints and sinners of Blenheim Palace. So the real, the real life stories, which she says might make the, uh, the writers of, of, um, uh, what's it called? What's the show called? Bridgerton. Blush. So, so there's, there's that as well. And Ilyra Lynn, of course, talking about the, the fashions, Georgian fashions, um, which were to be fair to them. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty bang on. They were, they were, they were fun. Um, So if you want your ticket, a ticket for that, there is a link from my uh, Instagram bio. It's on Eventbrite. If you go to Eventbrite and search the Georgian Online History Festival, Intrepid Frady Cat, I will pop a link in here. I should have thought about that first earlier. (laughs) I will pop a link into that on here uh, as soon as we finish. Um, You can also go to my website www.britishhistorytours.com and look at events and you'll find the link there as well and it's got the um the uh, uh link to sorry the the speaker schedule which you'll see so um white rags and would not have wanted Catherine at heaver no eh, yes well yeah quite Possibly, quite possibly. It's a very sim. It's very sympathetic to Catherine as well. This is not an Anne versus Catherine exhibition at all. Um, it doesn't pit them against uh, against each other. And actually, there's there's a lovely little um, part of the exhibition where Catherine's portrait is up uh, above um, candles, and the candles have uh, blue and pink ribbons on them to represent uh, Catherine's pregnancies. Um, Really poignant and, and lovely way to to represent her, her multiple pregnancies, which of course her and Anne had, you know, had did have that in common also, miscarrying, um, that incredible pressure to give Henry a son, um, possibly more, you know, on Anne actually than than Catherine um, at some point uh, because he had gone through the break with Rome and annulling his first marriage because Anne was going to give him a son and it didn't happen. Um, But yeah, the George, sorry, back to the Georgian, Georgian festival. Yes. If you go to Eventbrite and search the Georgian online history festival, you should find it. Or like I say, you can find the link in my Instagram bio and uh, on my website, www.britishhistorytours.com. So we've got six speakers, um, a live uh quiz sorry yeah we have got a live quiz that's the ending thing we've also got a live speaker panel as well both of those will take place on sunday the 26th of march if you can't make the actual dates don't worry because all of the talks um and the recordings of the live events will be available until the end of may for you so um so you can take advantage of of the longevity if you missed the Stuart online history festival it's available to buy as an extra when you buy your ticket for the georgian online history festival okay everyone thank you so much for joining me if you're around tonight for history after dark please do join myself katrina marchant and Catherine brooks as we have a george off we decide who was the worst george and um yeah it should be fun all right i will see you all either later on tonight or next week Bye bye from. Bye.